I want to say thank you again to, uh, to Angel for uh, being willing to just open up her heart and share with you. Um, she, she knows, and I'm sure that, that, that most of you know, uh, um, I get a little concerned when Angel says I want to do something. <laughs> but um, I'm telling you, I, God, has, God has struck our lives with the the bondage of addiction. You know, we've got a niece that is in jail right now because of the, the bondage of methamphetamine. And, um, and I'm telling you, I, I, know, I know the pain, I know the hurt of, of watching that and see that take place. And so, Angel, I, I'm long-suffering with you and I'm praying for you and I really am looking forward to what God is just going to keep doing in you. And I know He's going to keep growing you. You just got to keep trusting Him, okay? Go to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 16. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. If you're there, say amen. Here we go. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure. Did you catch that? So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Let me make sure I've got this right. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that He became the Father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, He did not consider His own body already dead since He was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of, of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what He had promised he was also able to do, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. You can be seated. And let's go to Lord in prayer one more time, please. Father, I want to come to you right now and Father, this is Your Word. God, only You can make this Word clear. Only You can cause eyes to be opened and, and hearts to understand it, Father. Unless You go before it, unless You cause it to accomplish its purpose, Father, it's just another reading. So, Father, I'm praying to You this morning. You said we have not because we ask not, and I believe that that applies to Your Word as well. So, God, I'm praying that as we get into Your Word, open our eyes, 
Open our hearts. God, even when it don't agree with us, and I know your ways are not our ways, so it's not going to agree with us. But Father, whatever it is that you want us to see in this, God, I'm praying that we would be open to you and that we're here for that reason, to hear your word and to lay ourselves aside. So Father, help us to do that this morning. God, I love you and I thank you and I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In um, this chapter that we're in right here, this is the explanation, if you will, of how faith is how we receive the promises of God. Faith, by biblical definition, is this. Faith is the full assurance of things hoped for. So there you have something that gives you hope, and you have full assurance in that hope, and that is what faith is. So faith is the full assurance in whatever is giving you hope in whatever that may be. And it is based on the evidence of things unseen. Again, that's the biblical definition. Faith is the full assurance of hope based on the evidence of things unseen. And here we see that the promise of God is what delivers hope. And Abraham receives this promise of God. And whenever he receives it, he puts full assurance of faith, full assurance of hope in this promise. And it's based on the evidence of who he knows God to be. It's based on the evidence of things unseen. He don't have the promise in hand right now. Romans chapter 8, if you will. Romans chapter 8, verse um, 23 through 25. Look at what this says. It says, Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So the first thing we see in Romans chapter 8 is this. We see that we have the first fruits of the promise of God. God has promised us that we are we have a new home, a new body, a uncursed world. We, we have all of these things and they are waiting on us, but yet we don't have them all right now, do we? He says here we have the first fruits of the Spirit. He's given us first fruits of it. You will get to experience uh, some healings. You will get to experience some deliverance from suffering. Every good gift that we enjoy, it, it is all just the first fruits of what God has prepared for those who loved Him. But it's still hope. Look what he says in verse 24. He said, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? In other words, you don't have that new body yet, do you? Everybody don't get healed, healed and, and, and you don't see healings happen every day, do you? Every dead person don't get to rise back from the dead, do they? No, you have first fruits of the promise of God right now. You will look around the world and you will see some of those things take place. But why does one still hope for what he sees? If you had it right now, it wouldn't be faith. You'd be living in the promise of God already fulfilled. But we are eagerly awaiting. If you go back to verse 23, we are eagerly 
waiting, groaning within ourselves because of this curse that we're under, because of the suffering that this world has. We're groaning within ourselves and we are eagerly, what's that word say next? Eagerly waiting, waiting, waiting. Y'all remember that word? That's a very important word. We are eagerly waiting the fullness of the promise. We have full assurance of hope based on the fact that the one who promises us can be trusted. He will do what he says he's going to do so we can have full assurance of hope. Now when I talk about biblical hope and hope in faith, I'm not talking about the same kind of hope like for instance, um, maybe you hope that um, it don't rain today. Or maybe you hope that it will cool down this evening. You can have a lot of hope, but hope like that is unsure hope, right? You can't have full assurance. You can't have confidence in that hope. The hope that he's talking about here is a hope that we can look at and go, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, based on the evidence that I have of the things unseen, I know that he who promised is faithful. And now all I'm doing, I'm just waiting. I'm eagerly waiting. I'm groaning while I'm waiting. I'm suffering while I'm waiting. But you better believe that the one who gave me the hope gives me full assurance that I can wait and know that this promise is going to be fulfilled. In um, 1981, I think it was, Tom Petty wrote a song. How many of y'all got any Tom Petty fans in here? Figured there might be a few. Uh, Tom Petty, I, I'm a pretty big Tom Petty fan, and uh, Tom Petty wrote a song called The Waiting. And in that song he said, the waiting is the hardest part. He's talking about his relationship that he has found, and he's looking back at, at, at what he went through to get to where he is now in this relationship, and he looks back in the chorus, he says, the waiting is the hardest part. Every day I see one more card, or every day I gain one more yard. And he says, you take it on faith, and you take it to the heart, but the waiting is the hardest part. Tom Petty didn't have a clue what he was talking about, but he had it right. The waiting is absolutely the hardest part. You know, I don't know how y'all feel about waiting. I, I'm not a waiting kind of guy. Um, I'm the guy that will literally drive by the barber shop. I'll make a trip to town from Campbellsville down here. I'll make a trip to town, and I'll drive by the barber shop in the town and look in there to see if there's an empty seat and if there is not an empty seat, I keep driving. I'll go do something else and then I'll drive back by and I'll look and I'll see if there's not an empty seat, I keep driving. And I'm not stopping until there's an empty seat because I'm not waiting. Just the way I am. And so it may be a month. Y'all may see me get all shaggy. That's the reason why you see me come in here the way I do sometimes. Because it may take me a month to drive by the barbershop before I finally find an open seat. Or one of the things, how many people like to wait in traffic? How many love people that sit in the left lane and do 50 mile an hour in the left lane? We got any of y'all in here? Figure we'd have a few of y'all that, did, that didn't like that. You don't like waiting. If you ain't passing, get out of the left lane. Amen. See? Got y'all talking. Amen. You don't like waiting. You know, um, whenever I lived down on 166 South, I can remember there was a red light 
right there at the bypass and, uh, and 166 that literally would take you 10 minutes sometimes to change. It's like the light don't even know you're there. And you're sitting and waiting and waiting and, and now, now that I live on the north end of town, now there's a light at the Minor Hill Highway where it comes into 64 and if you get to that light anytime past 10 o'clock at night, it ain't changing. And I'm just going to confess to you right now. Where's Andy Griggs at? I'm just going to confess to you right now. I'll blow that red light in a minute. Because I am not waiting. I am not waiting on that red light. You took too long. You need to fix the red light, Andy Griggs. Where you at? Fix your red light. All right? I ain't waiting. I'll just pay the ticket. I've been sick. You know how bad a sinus infection can make you feel sometimes. And I've been so sick and so miserable, and, but I hate waiting so much that I'll drive by rapid care and see how many cars are in the parking lot there. And then I go down past one stop and see how many cars are in the parking lot there. Then I go by physicians and surgeons and walk in and ask them how long the wait is. And then, I mean, by the time I go through all the stuff I go through, I probably just could have sit down somewhere and waited and been in. But I don't like to wait. I'm not... I'm not the kind of guy that waits. But, and I'm sure you, you all, surely I'm not the only one in here that's out of way. I didn't think so. But, you know, the waiting really is the hardest part. Waiting on something that you know is going to take place, but you just got to wait on it. And, it. and it's like it takes forever to come to pass. So it is with faith. We have this hope in the promise of God, but we're waiting on God. We're just waiting. We wait in these cursed bodies in a cursed world for God to fulfill His promise that He's coming again. He's going to give us new bodies and eternal life with Him, but we have to wait. We wait for God to avenge us from our enemies and to right all of our wrongs, but right now we're waiting in it and instead we pray for those that are our enemies. We bless those who curse us, or at least that's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, right? So if you're living in Christ and you're doing those things, the waiting is the hardest part, right? God, I know you're going to avenge me. I know you're going to right all my wrongs. I know justice is going to be served, but you mean i got to wait? Yeah, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. That's a promise from God. And if we trust in that promise, then we do with all of our hearts pray for our enemies now and bless those who curse us now. Because we believe with all of our heart that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I will take care of this, whatever the cost. And the cost was his own life for the majority of it. We endure suffering right now. We have to suffer in these cursed bodies and with, with the suffering of this world and the curse of this world. And we have to maintain faith while we suffer and while we wait for God because He says that I'm going to turn it all for your good and my glory. And we believe it, but we got to wait. You don't see it right away, do you? You don't get to see it take place right away. So we have to wait. And we wait and we deny ourselves worldly pleasures, right? If you're a Christian, I hope you are. You, you, we wait and we deny ourselves worldly pleasures because we know that God has told us to not let anything in our lives that's going to impede our relationship with Him. And so we deny ourselves and we wait on God. And when you look back, the, the life of faith has always been a, 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 an example of, a, of waiting. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. 
Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26, it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to what? To what? Got to make sure all y'all still with me here. When he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know what he was refusing when he did that? He was refusing a whole lot of worldly pleasures. He was refusing all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was, he was refusing a life full of, of pleasures, but here's what he said. He said, I choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the what? Passing pleasures of sin. And here's why. Because he esteemed the reproach of Christ or the suffering with the body of Christ, the denying of the world, the, the, the loving my enemies, praying for my enemies, blessing those who curse me. All the things that right now, if we're doing them, they do call suffering. He says, I choose rather to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures that are in Egypt. And why? Because he looked to the reward. In other words, he had full assurance of hope that the promise that God gave him was worth far more than anything that Egypt had to offer. The question that we have to ask is, do we have that full assurance of hope in our lives? Waiting is definitely the hardest part. And you're going to be tempted to give up hope. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in, in my life that, that walking this life of, of faithfulness to Christ, I've been tempted to say, I, I just don't know if this is worth it. You know, my way has to be better. It's going to fulfill my pleasure. It's going to, I, I would rather take this road right here. And you're tempted to do that. So we have to make sure that we stay strengthened in our faith. And to see the example of that, go back with me to Romans chapter 4, to the example of Abraham. Abraham is one of the greatest examples of being strengthened in biblical faith. You know, a lot of times we read this right here and we think to ourselves that Abraham was a, um, Abraham was a man that didn't struggle. Well, we know that's not true. When you go back and, and you read it, you actually see that Abraham struggled. Abraham had questions. Abraham decided, maybe I need to help God, and he went another, another direction. There are many times that we, that we look at these Scriptures right here, and if we're not careful to look deep into them, we actually think that the people of old were so great in faith that they never struggled, but that's not what we see. Notice what it says in verse 18 right here. It says, Abraham, who contrary to hope, he in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. When he was 75 years old, he received the promise. He didn't have the child till he was 100. Now, I don't know about you. I'm... 38, I think. I don't know why I get this wrong all the time. I'm 37. Yes! I got another year. I'm 37. I'm 37 years old and I just started raising a two-year-old. 100 years old and you fixing to have a baby. 
First off, God, that ain't really a joyful promise where I come from. But hey, I ain't Abraham, so you know. But he said in hope, or contrary to hope, in hope he believed. In other words, contrary to hope. He had every reason to not hope, right? He had every reason to look at the promise of God and go, this is crazy. He had every reason to do that. But contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. And so we, we, we look at that and we think, we, we see verses next that says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb. And then we see a verse that says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But then if you don't get to the next part, you're tempted to think, he didn't struggle. You're tempted to think that his faith was just always uh, bulletproof and it was always strong, but we know that's not true. And we know that Paul knew that that wasn't true. But look what it says next. He says, but he was strengthened in faith. What does it mean to be strengthened? To grow stronger, right? Some versions, the ESV version actually says it like this, but he grew strong in faith. You know, here's the thing about it. Abraham's faith at 75 was not as strong as it was at 100. And your faith at where you're at right now is not as strong as it will be as long as you grow strong in your faith. So if we're going to grow strong in faith, because you asked the question, how did Abraham grow strong in faith? Because here's what it should have been doing. If Abraham's 75 years old and God promises him that he's going to be the father of many nations, don't you know that every day that goes by, Abraham should be growing less and weaker in his faith? Every day that grows by that he don't have the promise, Abraham should be going, it's getting further and further away. But instead, every day that went by, Abraham grew stronger in faith as the days went by. So the question we have to ask, how did he do it? Well, the answer is this. Abraham knew some things about God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth shall what? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. See, here's the thing about it. We are prisoners and in bondage to our own minds. And there are some truths about God that you have to know if you're going to grow stronger in faith day by day when contrary to hope, day by day you should be losing hope as it gets further and further and further away it seems like. Let's look at some of the things that Abraham knew about God. Number one is in verse 19. In verse 19 it says again, "...and not being weak in faith..." He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. He didn't consider it. And he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. How is it possible to be a hundred years old and you got to make a baby? <laughs> I'm not even going to ask who did that. <clears throat> How is it possible to be in that place and you not even consider your own body 
or the deadness of your womb. You know, you think about this. God could have chose a 18-year-old Abraham, couldn't he? God could have chose a 18-year-old Sarah, but he didn't. He chose a 100-year-old Moses and a 90-year-old Sarah whose bodies and womb were good as dead. Because at that point, only God can receive the glory for it, right? Can Moses or Sarah take any credit for this? <clears throat> Moses, good gracious. I done got Moses and Sarah together. <laughs> Woo, Lord, I'm so sorry. Abraham was with Sarah. Abraham and Sarah can't take no credit for this whatsoever. So the first thing Abraham knew about God was this, if you're taking notes, he knew God was not constrained by our physical limitations. This is important. Y'all listen to me. He knew God was not constrained by our physical limitations. Abraham did not consider his own body already dead or Sarah's womb already dead, and yet Abraham was 100 years old. Abraham knew that the promises of God were not dependent on whether or not I could accomplish it. The promise of God is actually given in situations where you can't accomplish it. It's given to where the only thing you can do is put full assurance of hope in the promise that He gives you based on the evidence of who He is. And when you do that, He brings the promise to pass. You think about this for just a minute. Abraham and Sarah have bodies that are as good as dead and they have to make a baby. Think about that. Listen, they have a part to play in this. You know that, right? So they have to walk in faith in order to accomplish this purpose that God has given to them. One thing that comes to my mind in this is people that struggle with sin. Romans um, chapter 6, verse 14. Look at what this says. <clears throat> it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Here's a promise from the Word of God. Sin shall not have dominion over you. But when we look at that, how many of us remain in bondage because in our minds we may not say it, but in our minds, God is constrained by my physical limitations. We look at a situation and we go, God, I cannot help it. God is not constrained by your physical limitations. Listen to me, you who are fighting bondages. Some of you are struggling with pornography addictions. You know they say 9 out of 10 men suffer from pornography addiction. It's a common thing. They say, um, I think, um, 4 or 5 out of every 10 women struggle with the same thing. It is such an epidemic in our world today and there are so many people that are held bondage under that particular thing, not to mention all the other addictions and struggles with various sins and lusts and, and desires that we have, and yet we need to understand that God is not constrained by your physical limitations. 
When He gives you a promise that says, sin shall not have dominion over you, we have to hear that word and say, just like Abraham, I don't consider my limitations as stopping Him from fulfilling this promise, right? If He gave me the promise, He also has the power to bring the promise to pass in my life. So what's my responsibility? To trust Him. To trust Him. To remember and hear the promise of God. And every time the temptation rises up, you go back to the promise of God and you hear the Word of God and you put full assurance of hope in the promise of God. And when you do that, you play your part in it, even though you have physical limitations, you remember, He does not. And I walk in His power, and I walk in His strength. <clears throat> I thought about a, um, an elephant. You ever seen um, an elephant at a circus? They'll tie them to a little stake in the ground. I'm talking like a little stake in the ground. They literally, with a little hammer, put just a little stake in the ground and they tie them to it. They say that an elephant can lift somewhere between seven and 800 pounds with his trunk. Seven to 800 pounds. And yet he stays tied down by a stake in the ground. And they say what happens is, ever since that elephant was a baby, that he was tied to that stake, and that he would pull and he would tug and he couldn't get the stake out of the ground. So basically he just got to a point to where he figured that he had no ability to get away from that stake, so he just quit trying. And then he becomes a full-grown elephant that can raise seven to 800 pounds with just his trunk. And they tie that same elephant to the stake and he just sits there. And he doesn't even try because as far as he's concerned, he has physical limitations that will not allow him to overcome what has him tied down. See, he forgets that he's not the same elephant that he used to be. How many of us forget that we're not the same person that we used to be? The Bible literally says that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You need to forget about who you used to be and understand that there is a power within you if you will access it. And the way we access it is by hearing the promise of God and putting full assurance of faith in this thing and knowing a few things, the first of which is the power that is within me, he that lives within me, is not constrained by my physical limitations. And if he tells me that sin shall not have dominion over my life, then you know what my duty is? To trust it. To trust it and to get up and walk out of it. And I promise you this, day after day after day, that power will still be there for you to get out of. But you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is not constrained by our physical limitations. Oh, Lord, I am never going to get through this message today. <sighs> Let me go just a little bit quicker. A few things that you need to know about God. Number two, Abraham knew that God is able to do anything that He promises. No matter what it is, He's able to do it. Look with me at verse 21. It says that Abraham was fully convinced. What does it mean to be convinced? 
Hmm? Not a shadow of a doubt. You know with all of your heart, I am convinced fully that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Again, the second thing Abraham knew was this. He knew that God is able to do whatever He promises. There is no promise of God that He gives you that He can't perform. Do you believe that? Unless you are fully convinced of that, you won't grow stronger in your faith, but instead your faith will grow weaker and weaker and weaker. And you have to be able to trust and know that He who promised also has the ability to perform. He is able. He is fully convinced. You know, you go back and you read some of the stories. Abraham took 318 men and went up against an army that had just defeated Sodom and Gomorrah, two great cities. They had took Abraham's nephew and his family, Lot and all his family captive, And Abraham takes 318 men, that's all he had, and goes against an army that is probably thousands. And he conquers them and brings all of his family home along with all of the spoils of war from Sodom and Gomorrah. And when he gets back, he knows that this was not him that accomplished this. So he gives 10% to God. He says, God, I know you did this. (laughs) I want to bless you for blessing me. There were evidences in Abraham's life to make him fully convinced that whatever God promised, he was also able to do. Abraham had learned just like Job in Job chapter 42 verse 2. Look what it says. Whenever Job came to the end of his trial, he had learned a lot about God. But one thing he learned, he said, God, I know that you can do what? Remember Abraham had said earlier, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He said, let there be light. And what was there? He just speaks it and it happens. And then after God showed Job a few things about who he was and his sovereignty, Job comes to the end of this thing and he says, God, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. And that's something that you have to learn about God, that we have plenty of historical evidences, but you have to learn it about Him in your life. And you do that by trusting Him and by actually following Him. And you come to that place to where you know that God is able to do whatever He promises. The third and fourth point I'm going to put together just to save time. Number three and number four actually comes from Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 13 through 18. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, so here we are, we're still talking about Abraham, right? I haven't moved away. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Now let me tell you the third thing that I see that Abraham knew about God. Abraham knew that God's name was at stake in this promise. In um, Isaiah chapter 48 verse 11, this is what it says. It says, for my own sake, 
Even for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be defamed? I will not give my glory to another. And he was talking about saving his people. God said, for my sake, I do it. Because you are my people and my name is not going to be defamed. I am going to uphold the value of my name. Whenever you hear somebody talk about something being a name brand, what does that mean? Something that's name brand. All right, positive, popular, huh? It cost you twice as much. All right, name brand. It means there's a reputation behind it, right? Whenever, um, whenever you talk about something or somebody making a name for themselves, what does that mean? It means they're building a reputation, correct? So when God talks about the value of His name, what He's talking about is His reputation is at stake here. How should my name be defamed? It's not going to be. So here's what God says again in Hebrews 6 verse 13. When God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by who? His self saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. The third thing God knew or that Abraham knew about God was that God's name is at stake in his promise. And so he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to fulfill what he said. All he has to do is walk in it. Listen to me again. I don't know why I keep, out of all the promises, I don't know why I keep going back to sin shall not have dominion over you. I guess it's because so many of us walk defeated in sin. Would you agree with that? I want to remind you again today that God has made you a promise and His name is at stake for those who claim that promise. And if you claim that promise and you walk in that promise, then God says, sin shall not have dominion over you. And as you walk in it, I'm going to give you the power to overcome it. I will because my name is at stake. I can't swear by no one greater, so I use my own name. He goes on in verse 15, he says, And so after he had patiently, what? Endured, what's another word for that? Waited. After he had patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For indeed, men swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. In other words, whenever, whenever you want to prove your point to somebody, what do you do? You say, man, I promise you. And if that don't work, what do you do? Man, I swear. And if that don't work, what do you do? I swear by whatever. My children. I mean, there's so many different things. And that's what he's saying. He said, for men indeed swear by the greater. They're always trying to find something greater to swear by so that their word is trusted. And yet we're liars. Right? And he says, And an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise. Listen to this. Thus God, knowing how we do this and knowing that swearing for us really don't mean a whole lot, even though it does to God. Because His name's on the line. 
His reputation will not be defamed. But thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability or the unchangeability of His counsel, He confirmed it by oath. That by two immutable things, first being that He swore by Himself, that's an unchangeable thing, correct? Can't be unchanged once God swears by His name. But then by a second unchangeable thing in which it is impossible for God to what? It is not possible for God to lie. That's the second thing. Or the fourth thing that Abraham knew about God was this. God can't lie. <laughs> if He says it, it's not in His nature. He is incapable of lying. His own nature prevents Him from doing so. So He says here, that he by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, and he swore by his own name, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God don't just look at you and go, hey, trust me. He says, guys, listen, first off, it's impossible for me to lie. I can't. I'm not a man that I should lie in... um. I think it's Numbers. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Listen to what it says. It said, God is not a man that he should lie. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Everything that God has said would happen before now, guess what? It happened. You got prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. You got prophecies about Jesus Christ that were written some 800 years before Christ was ever on the earth that have come to pass in full detail. Everything he said took place, or said would take place, it has taken place. And he will accomplish all of the things that he is promising to this point. If you know those things about God, then you can have absolute confidence. But listen to me, I'm closing. Waiting is the hardest part of biblical faith. All throughout the parables, you'll hear Jesus talk about there were five wise, uh, or yeah, five wise and five foolish, and those foolish ones decided they wanted to um, just go out and waste their oil and live it up, and, and and so the waiting was the hardest part for them, right? They they got bored, they they got tired of living the life that they had to live, waiting on the groom to come. And no matter where you go to in the parables, you're going to find one somewhere uh, to where the, the servants begin to get lazy and, and they begin to not serve the way that they should and they begin to not um, love their enemies and pray for their enemies and, and bless those who curse them because the waiting on the promise was the hardest part. How many of you know that whenever you get saved and God comes into your life fresh and anew, man, that's the most fiery time of your life. But how many of you know as you wait and the time goes by that it's harder and harder to remain? Let's just be honest. The waiting is the hardest part. But I want you to understand something. It was hard for Abraham too. It was hard for Moses. It was hard for David. David was anointed king when he was 16 years old. Do you know when he got to be king? 30. He was anointed at 16. How many times do you think David running from his life, running for his life from King Saul, how many times do you think he had to stop and go, God, wait a minute. You anointed me king. 
I'm running from my life from this guy. This don't make sense. But he never gave up hope. He didn't waver. He struggled. And he grew stronger in faith as the days went by. And you too, if you're going to grow stronger in your faith as the days go by, because you think about it right now, some of you may be waiting on a healthy new body. You got that promise from God, but what about the body you're in right now? Pains when you wake up in the morning, uh, back trouble that you don't even know. Some of you popping pain pills just to try to get through each day. Anybody, can I get a witness? You're waiting on those things and you know the promise of God is coming but right now you're waiting on it with aches and with pains or diseases in this body. You're waiting on God to turn your suffering for good. How many of you, can I get a witness on somebody that's suffering? You're saying, God, I'm just waiting on you to turn it for good. I'm just waiting on you to bring yourself glory in it. I'm just, I'm just waiting on your promise to be fulfilled. Waiting on God to avenge you from a deep hurt. Anybody in here ever had a deep hurt that still feels like a dagger in your chest? And you're just waiting and praying on God to avenge you from that hurt. And you have to wait. And in the meantime, your responsibility is to love them and bless them and pray for them. It's hard. The waiting is the hardest part. But the promise of God will be fulfilled. Whatever it is, just know four things, and I'm in. God is not constrained by our physical limitations. You ain't who you used to be. Did y'all hear me on that? I said you ain't who you used to be. You ain't that little bitty elephant that used to not even be able to pull a stake out of the ground. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's time you start walking in that. and It's time you start believing in that. You need to believe and know that God is able to do whatever He promises no matter how difficult it seems to you. If He says it, trust me, He can do it. He is able. You need to know that God will not allow His name to be defamed. If you make a commitment to walk in the promise of God and you say, God, I'm walking in this promise and your strength, His name is at stake. You better believe He's going to provide the power. All He's asking you to do is walk in it. Get up and do what your responsibility is to do. And last but not least, don't ever forget, God can't lie. God cannot lie. He is not a man that He should lie. If He tells you He's going to do something, He will bring it to pass. Everything He's ever said, He's accomplished. And everything that He said that hasn't been done, it will be done. He will accomplish all His promises. So wait on the Lord. You know, 43 times in the Old Testament we're told to wait on the Lord. You ever heard that phrase before? Wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall rise up on wings like eagles and renew their strength. Even strong and young men grow weary and faint. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and grow stronger and stronger even though you're 75 when you get the promise. Day after day, you grow stronger and stronger and stronger in full assurance because you know these things about God. Grow in your faith. The waiting is the hardest part, but you keep trusting, you keep praying, and you keep walking in His promises. And I promise you, He will accomplish whatever it is that He's told you He's going to do. Y'all stand this morning.
This is the time of invitation. Whatever the Lord has spoke on your heart, if it's a time that you would like to humble yourself at the altar, that's all this is, is wood and carpet. Um, it is a place for you to humble yourself down and kneel before Him and cry out to Him. You can do the very same thing from where you're standing, but I, I pray to you, whatever the Word of God spoke to you today, let it work in you. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than a t double-edged sword. And it is here to, to do surgery on the deep cancers that lie within you, the sin that is deep down. And I pray that today that His Word will spoke to you and that you can rise up in faith and you can walk in everything that He has for you and everything that He's promised you. Whatever you need this morning, now is the time. Down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw. Desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. I surrender.
Ah! 